Hello, 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 and welcome to another Add a Zero podcast. I'm Jay Allen, your host, and today we're going to be looking at the nine things that you need to consider as a business owner when moving from growth to scale. Now, just to remind you that this is season two of the Add a Zero podcast, and therefore on the Spotify platform, we're also being able to make this a video cast. So if you want to be able to see my um, ugly mug um, running around the screen like a like a fool and a banshee, then visit uh, the Add a Zero podcast on Spotify. Alternatively, on any of the podcast or the podcast platform, we'll be operating as normal as an audio podcast. But for today, let's look at the nine things that you as a business owner need to consider when being able to move a traditional growth business and moving it through into a scale business. And number one on that is focus on the future. What I mean by that is I come across so many different business owners that spend so much of their time in the present. And don't get me wrong, there's, there's lots to be said as positives for remaining present. But they spend so much time in the, in, the, in the now that they don't necessarily stop and consider as to how is that impacting the tomorrow. And the difference between a business owner that's so caught up in the business and a business owner that is regularly able to step back and look at the business, to be able to not just step out of it, but look almost down onto it, is the one that's going to be able to travel the furthest. So focus on the future is first of all about ensuring that you've got a really, really clear vision as to what does success look like for both you and your business. And don't get me wrong, the two are completely separate because at some stage in the future, no doubt you're going to want to be able to exit one before you have to exit the other. So have a personal success mission statement with regards to what does success look like for in your life and then determine as to how is your business contributing towards enabling that to, to become so as quickly as possible so you can enjoy it for the rest of your life. I'm a firm believer in the old adage, entrepreneurship is about doing for a few short years what most others won't, so you can subsequently enjoy the rest of your life like most others can't. And that means that you've got to have absolute clarity, down to the pound, shillings and pence, down to the food that you'll be eating for breakfast on your 50th birthday. Have absolute clarity on what does success mean for you and how are you going to be able to achieve that. We'll do the how later, but for now the, the vision is about a, a period of time in the future and setting a, a specific date and time in the future and saying this is what success looks like for me as an individual, and then to align that or align the business with enabling you to be able to achieve that, but not making the business success statement your personal success statement, because otherwise, why would anybody in your business work towards helping you achieve something when there's no real clarity as to what that means to them and their business and, and their futures beyond you achieving it? So ensure that the success of the business is almost the first milestone towards greater, far greater things that the business could achieve in the future beyond your involvement in it. So have a focus on the future and ensure that the day-to-day -day decisions, the day-to-day -day activities that you take part in have a direct correlation to contributing to that as an outcome. Now, let me just quickly help and support you in understanding the, the real benefit of doing this. First of all, 
we can all be busy fools. Anyone can be busy being busy or in the busyness of business. The smart people are the ones that understand the contribution that they're making and the impact it's having on the success that they want to achieve. And on a regular, day-to-day, -day, sometimes even hour-to-hour -hour basis, being able to say, how does what I'm doing right now directly contribute to what it is that I want to be able to achieve? And if it doesn't, or if you have to be rather elaborate with regards to trying to quantify or justify how what you're doing today is contributing towards the future in your, your succession plan, then the chances are it's not. And it's time to either delegate it to somebody else or just stop doing it. We can only be one degree off course today and we could be thousands of miles off course by the time that we try and get to succession and realise that that one degree that we didn't correct never allowed us to get back on track to where it is that we set out to achieve. Ironically, it's the whole ethos of my true north and helping people understand the one or two degrees of separation between where you want to be heading and where you're actually heading. So having a constant focus on the future is key to establishing at a moment's notice and are you on track to being able to achieve that. Certainly one of the things that I've done here in my true north headquarters and if you could see on my desk right now we have a printed out vision statement of where we are going as a business. It's something I look at almost every time I look down at my desk as a constant reminder to be able to challenge my thinking, my doing, on a minute-to-minute -minute basis to say, is the activity that I'm doing right now, here and now, and how does that contribute towards us being able to achieve our goals and tasks in the future? So having an eye on the future in order to remain present, but to be able to measure present against what we're able to achieve and what we're aspiring to in the future is key to ensuring you don't fall off course. The first of our nine steps to being able to move from growth to scale is clarity on where you're heading and the willingness to be able to check in on a regular basis to say, and is what I'm doing right now contributing to that in the future. Number two, and you'll have heard from me speak about this several times on the podcast, about the three flaws, the three fundamental flaws in business that will cause a bottleneck unless you address them. And this is flaw number two. It's about people, systems and processes. So many business owners at the very start of their journey, perhaps when they had a first ideation of what a new business or a concept might look like. It might be a side hustle. They might have just left employment and moved into running their own business. But so many business owners see people, other people, staff, as a distant aspiration. And they're so busy getting involved in doing the doing that when it comes to taking on a new member of staff, they haven't got the systems and processes and it's a very ordinary, it's a very manual intensive business. Win the work, do the work, win the work, do the work, win the work, do the work. But every single time we're having to create new stuff, it's not automatable. And as a result, 
it's not systemizable. So as early as possible, it's not just a case of being able to create systems and processes and then document them in order to be able to share them with other peoples to ensure that we always achieve the same outcome. But it's about regularly going back to those systems and processes and ensuring that they're still fit for purpose. I'm not quite sure the last time you got a brand new mobile phone, but the moment a new phone arrives and you excitedly take it out the box and turn it on for the first time, first of all, the first question says, what language do you want us to operate within? And you, you put in, certainly here in the UK, you'll put in English, English English as opposed to American English or Australian English or any other variation. So, so you put in English and then it transfers all of their documentation, their systems and processes into English so you can understand. The second question it asks is Wi-Fi connection. It looks for a connection to connect to the internet and it wants a password and all of that authentications to be able to go online. And the moment it connects to the internet, it comes up with a series of updates. It's a brand new phone and it's already out of date. And that's my point. There are too many people in business that created a system and a process when they first set out in business and they've now employed some people and the people are following the system and the process and everyone thinks it's okay until it's not okay. You see, we move on, we evolve. There are software and apps and bots and artificial intelligence and machine learning that happen so, so quickly that the stuff that you did yesterday is potentially already out of date. So it's about having a systems and uh, processes um, manual. Uh, they call it the operations manual. In my business, we call it the business Bible. Purely on the basis that, as a Bible, you should read it frequently and follow it religiously. But it has to go back and be checked and measured and updated regularly to ensure is the systems and processes that we already have in place still the right systems and processes to maintain in place? Is what we are doing right now contributing towards the aspirations of where we want to be in the future? Or has it got us to where we are and now holding us stuck in where we are? We've got to be willing to be able to challenge our thinking and our systems and our processes and our peoples to say, is it still fit for purpose? And if it's not, what do we need to do about it? So the second of our nine steps is people, system and process in that order, making sure that systems and processes are there to support people to achieve what it is that we set out to achieve and not that we've got systems and processes that we enforce upon people and prevent them to be forward thinkers and planners, but to have people, system and process that we as a business owner and leader are able to be able to impress upon others that others continue to contribute towards the growth and success of the business as opposed to others being recruited to keep you as a fundamental pivotal part of the business which determines you'll never ever escape because the moment you stop it stops. Second, people system process employ early teach them what to do, and then empower them to keep doing it. Number three in our nine steps 
where's the industry heading right now? Where is your industry heading right now? Are you at the cutting edge of driving the business forward, driving the sector, the industry? Are you, are you leading the way? Or are you clutching onto the coattails of the last few remnants of an industry that's about to become a dinosaur? Think about it this way. What did a taxi look like a hundred years ago? Yep. At the time of recording this, a taxi a hundred years ago was probably a horse and cart. You paid a few shillings to the horse rider or the, 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 the cart rider. You jumped aboard and you trotted along to the next destination. What does a taxi look like a hundred years later? It's not even a car anymore. A taxi these days is either, depending on whereabouts you're listening to this in the world, an automated driverless vehicle where human beings can get into a capsule and be transported by Google Maps and GPRS and, and automation. Or it's an app. It's something that we simply click on and say, I need transportation. And it works out where you are. It works out where the closest resource to you is. It works out as to how much it's going to cost down to the penny to transport you from where you are to where you want to be. And sends a resource to you. And once you've uh, uh, alighted the vehicle, there's no cash or tips fuddling around with credit cards it's already taken care of, straight out your bank account, straight into theirs. You know what I'm talking about, Uber. Now you might argue, well what's that got to do with me? Well ironically, the London cab driver that's done his knowledge test and driving one of those very distinctive black cabs in the city of London didn't think there was a problem with technology and how that was going to implement and impact them in their industry. Until all of a sudden Uber came along and all of a sudden the black cab is almost a, a, a heritage tourist attraction as opposed to a typical mode of transport. We've seen this evolution of an industry that unless you're with it, you quickly fall behind. So where is your industry heading right now? What does the future look like in 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years time in your industry? And are you still cutting edge? Are you still driving the way forward? Are you evolving as a business? Are you flexible enough to be able to um, deviate and, and move with the times and with customer expectation and aspirations? Or are you stuck in your ways in tradition and hoping that the world will hold on to you as a relic? The third is understanding where are we heading and have we got the flexibility in our business to be able to make best use of that to keep on the cutting edge and driving the way forward. The fourth tip is about values. It's about you as a business and how do you do business. I genuinely believe, and I've said this more than once already, that values are the heartbeat of everything that you do. It's how we do business. It's what do we hold dear to us. It's our core beliefs. It's why people buy you as opposed to buy something else in the same space. 
they buy into a set of values that you depict. Be that quality or cost or time efficiencies. They, they understand and they buy into. They are people like you. And we set a, a, set a standard of values and we live by them. We embed them within our business in every single aspect of what we do. And we attract people who are attracted to the same type of values as we are. Having a core set of values and then being willing to depict that throughout who we are as a business and the impact that we have on our community, uh, our, our industry, the world, will become more and more key to businesses being able to be differentiated between the mass amount of competition that's out there. I can't tell you enough about how I believe that core values and the transparency of how we live those is a currency right now and it's likely to be for a long time to come. So having a core set of values to which you will not compromise is key to being able to build you and your brand and for people to be able to um, to, to, to warm towards you, to come towards you, to be attracted to the things that are important to you. So being emotive, being open and transparent about why these things are important, how these things are important, how you contribute towards them being important. Certainly for us as a business, we joined and became ambassadors for the Global Giving Association or Global Giving Community called B1G1.com. Certainly we've embedded it and embellished it throughout all of our business interactions that anything that we do in a business, we, we work within our value set, a win for you, a win for us, and a win for the universe. How do we create win-win-wins as opposed to a win at the expense of somebody else's loss? If it's a lose anywhere, it's a lose everywhere in our, in our book. So creating a core set of values and then professing those to the world and living by them, being measured and challenged to them, is key to being able to attract the right people and to build a brand as opposed to simply a business. And not being willing to compromise, either now or at any stage in the future. It doesn't matter how shiny the shiny silver, shiny object is, the, the SOS shiny object syndrome will continually test us and try and pull us off course and yet that one degree that we step away from where we intended to be and you'll never ever ever get to where it is that you set out to achieve to so number four is having clarity on the core values within the business to being able to have stakeholders help and contribute towards what they are as a business and then being willing to be challenged to living by them and not just professing them and putting them on a brand sheet and saying that's done. The fifth of our nine steps is about building a fabulous team. Being able to build other people that live the values, that understand the contribution that we make, not only to our own business, but to our community, to our industry and to the world. To be able to have people that follow systems and processes, that evolve with us, that have got a vision for the future that we want to aspire to and beyond and ready to be able to contribute towards it. People that are team players that come together and work collectively for the greater good as opposed to 
I'm alright Jack because that might get you so far but it'll never get you as far as you could if collectively you comes together as a team. There's an old African proverb that says if you want to go fast go alone. If you want to go far go as a team. So building a great team understanding how to be able to get the best of a team not only getting the right team on your bus but getting them to sit on the right places on the bus as Jim Collins talks about in his book Good to Great about understanding that collectively we can contribute to each other that collectively we achieve more than any part uh, any single part that as a whole we can achieve so much more and to play to each other's strengths to first acknowledge weaknesses of our own and of others and then say how do we help and support each other to be able to improve on our weaknesses and play to our strengths. Having a team that contributes collectively and understands that each one of those contributions collectively enables us to be able to maintain momentum. You've only got to look at some of the interviews that were conducted with the NASA staff after the first moon landing and one of the most poignant interviews was when they interviewed the janitor who had been sweeping the floors and emptying the bins and they said you know how what are you doing here what's your contribution and he said I help people to help people to put people on the moon and that is critical it doesn't matter as to which part we play as long as collectively all the parts get played to the best outcome possible and to be able to recruit a team and then to be able to retain a team and reward a team towards a set of focused, future focused outcomes that are way beyond what we would have ever achieved as an individual because we've got collective buy-in. So the fifth of our nine steps is about being able to recruit, retain and reward a great team moving forward. Now, number six is all about, it's, it's tied to core values, but it's more about compromise. And it's ensuring that you never compromise on the quality of what you deliver. Now, it could be as a business plan that you've determined that you're going to stack them high and sell them cheap. And that's okay. There's an old adage that says good is good enough because too many business owners spend too long trying to perfect something that is imperfectible because business moves on, life moves on, people's aspirations and expectations move on and your own perception of what is good enough is perhaps very different to that of the consumer. So being able to ensure that you are under-promising and then massively over-delivering to maintain rapport and build relationship and part of your core values, but not to the extent of progression, not to the extent of holding back from delivering anything whilst we work on making it perfect. Because ironically, by the time you fixed it, it's already been fixed elsewhere. So being willing to be able to accept that good is good enough as long as it's good enough because the worst thing that we could possibly do 
is to start to build something that's great and has some core values and a, a message that people are buying into and then subsequently fall short of that. We can't afford to try and replenish and rebuild a broken relationship by failing people. I read somewhere recently that it takes three to five seconds to make a first impression and yet it can take years, uh, the book said, between seven and 13 years to forgive someone in business for a critical mistake, particularly if that mistake is against core values. If it changes people's perception of you and you and your, as a business, of who you are and what you deliver, how you deliver it, why you deliver it, who you deliver it to. So never compromising on the quality expected of you and continue to make incremental improvements, applying the Kaizen philosophy of incremental improvement to the business, but not at the expense of progression, not at the expense of saying, well, we're going to hold back and hold back and hold back until it's perfect, only to find out that you're seconds to market or last to market. And you're now only working with the laggards at the very far end and tail end of the business bell curve. So number six is about good is good enough, contributes to society. If you have a, a solutions to a problem, then get it out there and fix the problem, but maintain the quality of doing so. Don't, don't cut corners, even if the business starts to accelerate quickly. And there's the challenge and demand of resource to be able to meet expectation even if it involves having to put the reins on a little bit and just slow down in order that we don't compromise on st standards and quality not quite sure what standards are but standards and quality about being able to ensure that the first customer who received what we received uh, what we provided gets at least the same experience as the final customer and we don't allow quantity to overcome quality. Now, under, uh, number seven is all about barriers. It's all about the bottlenecks. It's all about preempting where there's likely to be problems. And again, this comes back to number one, focus on the future. If you designate regular times to be able to look at where are you going, where's the industry going, how are we contributing towards the growth pattern of both us and our community and giving back to the world, if we start to look beyond the here and now of how am I going to cover the salaries this month, then you can start to identify where the likelihood is of things that are going to, going to happen that might derail or risk derailing you and your business and progress. It's about being able to preempt things that are going to happen before they happen in order that you can ensure that you're proactively ready to either deviate off course and, and circumnavigate around a potential problem or at least that you've got the people systems and processes and resources to be able to address it as it happens. That you're not firefighting and on the back burner all the time. So being able to take regular time out the business, time, time, regular time out the business to be able to review and look at where are you heading, what are the things that you've struggled with over the last quarter, over the last half year or year, what are the things that have gone particularly well, what are the things that we've got to be able to address and, and work on, drill down into to be able to improve. Isn't it interesting that, you know, we go through an education system where everyone's taught to play to their strengths. If you're good at maths, do applied maths. If you're not so good at pottery, then don't take pottery. And yet, it may be that 
you just need to become a better putter. It may be that once we've got our strengths nailed and we, we're quite good at those, that we address some of the things that are holding us back. To, to start looking at the, the weaknesses that we have and rather than playing to other people's strengths and, and getting them to do their bit, as individuals for our own personal development, start to look at how do we improve as people and having a business culture that encourages that rather than simply says, well, well, that's what you do and that's what you do and pushing people into boxes and silos. So number seven is all about identifying potential barriers to growth, be that internal or external, being able to look outside into the industry or into the community or to our current client base and identify potential things that might trip us up in the future and then starts to work towards, well, what if scenarios? What happens if that was to happen and how would we best address it? Number eight is the power of partnerships. Now, we've already talked about, you know, the power of some of its parts is far greater than as a whole than it is of its parts. And yet I'm talking now about working with others. I think we are in the eve, sorry, the, the, the early stages of really, really developing partnerships and cooperations. Being able to work collectively to be able to achieve goals, even if we're working with people who are going to simply help us along the way, even if it's not directly to get to the end, end destination. To be able to look at other people who are working with your customers and clients right now, and say, how do I offer better service to them and their clients and their clients to receive better service from us that collectively, by working together, we can solve more of the person's problems than we do currently? How do we contribute towards the person that every time that they have a problem, they can either come to us or somebody we work in conjunction with, that collectively we can support them as an individual or as a business to be able to grow, evolve and, and win, become more successful. So partnerships, being able to have more of the pie that you can have an influence on in order to be able to help and support people further. Understanding the benefits that there is no competition out there. It's not about competition. Ironically, if the last two years in lockdown and COVID have taught us anything about being able to pull together and pull resources in order to be able to get through tough times, then there's some real, real value, valuable lessons to learn if we're willing to be able to take the lessons. So being able to understand the need, the benefit of being able to work collectively and collaboratively with other people to be able to better serve the customers that we and they have that collectively everyone's a winner. Remember, a win for you, a win for them, a win for the universe. And finally, the ninth of our nine steps between growth and traditional patterns and, and scale up and really start to accelerate is the willingness to access expertise early and throughout your growth journey. Now, you might argue, as a business scale-up coach, I'm bound to say that, but I can't tell you enough about how important it is to acknowledge as an individual, it doesn't matter where you are in the growth, growth trajectory, whether you're a startup or whether you've already got a 100 million turnover business and looking to be able to make your first billion. We don't know what we don't know. Donald Rumsfeld, 1986. We don't know 
what we don't know. And the more that we do know about what we know, the more we need to acknowledge that there are other things out there that we still don't know. There's no possible way that we can know everything about everything. And yet the chances are that it's our own limited thinking, it's only about being so involved and evolved within our own business that we are not aware of what else is happening. And let's face it, in a world such as today where the internet of the growth of internet of things is so rapidly changing, how on earth could we possibly know anything and everything about everything? But the chances are that not knowing is preventing you from making the biggest challenges and amendments to you and your business to enable you to accelerate beyond the norm and into the stratosphere. And which is why mastermind is so key and important. It was Carnegie and Napoleon Hill in the late 20s that talked about the collaboration of business owners who came together on a regular basis to be able to share problems, hurdles, difficulties that they were facing, to have a collaborative understanding that collectively we will always achieve more than the individual parts, and that by sharing problems, the conversation evolves, it grows, it magnifies. They said that they, they challenged Napoleon Hill in his book Think and Grow Rich from 1927 says, if you say a problem shared is a problem halved, this is only true if I comes to one person with a problem and then we agreed to part and you're going to fix that half and I'm going to fix that half and then we're going to come back together and find the solution. The example he gives in the book is if I've got lots of apples and no transportation and you've got a horse and cart and no product, then perhaps we could come together and get the apples to market and we'll share the proceeds. It's about being able to understand that mastermind is not about bringing problems and absorbing solutions. It's about bringing problems that we have a collective understanding that by sharing the problems and by sharing thoughts, ideas and suggestions, collectively we will all get to a greater place by you say something and then I say something and then somebody else says something and the, the conversation evolves and as Carnegie talks about, it creates a master mind, a collective mind of everyone in the room that's all contributing towards the outcome that we would never have achieved the same type of thought process and outcomes if we'd sat and individualised it collect, you know, without the collective. If we just thought and thought and thought, there would never be a chance that we'd evolve to that level of thinking in the time frame that we've done so. And yet by doing so, the thought process enables not only that problem to be fixed, but for so many other problems to be fixed along the way because of a collective understanding that we come together, we dissect the problem, we identify all of the different thoughts, ideas and suggestions from a collaboration of different business owners and leaders that have come from many different industries and experiences and backgrounds, with the commonality of saying collectively, we will all significantly and sustainably grow. So accessing external expertise outside of your industry, outside of people that have got background knowledge and experience in you and your business, not emotionally involved in you 
and your outcomes, but to be able to challenge and then hold to account you for the decisions that collectively we make to be able to accelerate both you and your business. The nine steps to being able to move from a traditional growth business to a scale-up and scalable business end with being able to access external help and support, not only to be able to challenge your thinking and bring new ideas and suggestions to you, but also to be able to hold you as a business owner and leaders to account to ensure that our feet are still to the fire as we accelerate and move forward. Quick reminder of those quick nine things that I've shared today and we'll sign off until the next episode. So first of all, focus on the future. Always ensure that everything that you're doing is contributing towards the overall outcome of the business. Number two, have the people systems and processes and the methodology of being able to measure that to ensure the right people are doing the right thing in the right manner at the right time to get the right results. Number three, establish as to where is the industry heading and are you a lead player in driving it forward or are you a laggard holding on to people's coattails? Where's the industry going and have you got the flexibility in the business to be able to ensure that you are future-proof? Number four, have a set of core values to which you absolutely don't um, um, digress from. Understand how you do business and communicate that well with everybody else. Number five, recruit the right people. Recruit, retain, reward the right people and give them the right resources, the right support and help and and guidance in order for them to become the best human beings that they can possibly uh, be. And that creates win-win-win solutions. Number five, number six, never, ever, ever compromise on quality. Quality over quantity every single time. Because the moment that you fall short of being able to create the right relationships and the right experience for people, you've broken rapport and it could take a decade before people start to begin to trust you ever again. Number seven, identify some of the barriers that you might face as you continue to move forward and be willing to start to address those and challenge those with what-if scenarios so you are on the front foot and able to either circumnavigate them or at least be proactively ready for them when they occur as opposed to be on the back foot and constantly firefighting within the business. Number eight, the power of partnerships and understand that collectively it might be that people outside of your business are key to being able to help you grow in the business also and finally access that expertise early being able to reach out to the people that are experts in this field of collaborative thinking in order to be able to help you to significantly and sustainably grow both as an individual and as a business i hope you've got something from today i'd love to be able to hear your feedback and reports on how you're implementing the nine things that we've talked about today and the impact it has for both you and your business Don't forget, we are the UK's leading ethical coaching company, not something that we created in a PR or brand lab, but uh, something that we're anointed with by the city a few years ago now for what we teach and how we teach it. And I'd be delighted to have a conversation with you about our Add a Zero business challenge, enabling you to be able to get a bespoke and quite detailed report on the current opportunities and vulnerabilities within your business. Simply click on the uh, on the link within the footnotes and it'll take you straight to a page where you can access your Add a Zero Scalability Report for free today. God bless, take care and I'll see you again real soon.